0: up everybody and welcome to episode 245 of Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. We are recording this on Sunday evening. You're not hearing this until at least Monday or Tuesday, but alas, it is time to preview the three-game wildcard round. I'm not sure what, what, what we're even talking about anymore. Playoff series between the Braves and the Cincinnati Reds. We are still recording. If you missed the last show, go back and listen to it, wrapping up the entire season. But I'm still here and joined by both Scott Coleman and Eric Cole. Hello, gentlemen.
1: I am ready to talk about postseason baseball and trying to pretend as though the Braves have had success in many of our listeners' lifetimes.
2: (laughs) We're going to exercise some demons. I keep telling myself that. I hope to speak it into existence. Uh, If there is any team in baseball due for some favorable bounces and, and, you know, lucky calls, uh, it's the Atlanta Braves. So let's exercise some demons over the next month.
0: That would be nice. Uh, we'll get it out of the way right now, and then we won't, we won't come back to it unless we have to. The Braves did not want a playoff series in 2001. We were alerted to that a couple of weeks or months ago when, we, when I brought up, brought up on the podcast. There were listeners that were not alive when that happened. It's been 19 years. It's time to win one. Hopefully it's not um, just that first three-game series, but the Braves have a chance to write uh, some right some wrongs in the next few days. If you're listening to this, you will probably know already. The series begins on Wednesday between the Braves and the Reds. The Braves are the favorite in the series. They're the two seed. They'll be playing at home. That's all good stuff. Um, but first, I want to dig into the roster. Now, there are some locks, obviously, on this roster. But, you know, no off days. We talked about this a little bit last week on the podcast. But no off days in the series. is three games in a row. Um, the Braves had to set their 40-man playoff pool roster already. But it's not public information. They didn't have to announce it, and they didn't. So we're kind of guessing, but we're probably educated guessing. Um, it's a 28-man roster for the playoffs, which is obviously deeper than usual because of COVID and the fallout there. Um, it's due on Wednesday morning, so we can't we couldn't just wait for the roster to come out because it doesn't come out until Wednesday, potentially. So there's no maximum on pitchers. It's kind of a free-for-all. 28 is pretty big for a roster. Um, I want to go through here to start things off sort of the locks. But before we get into that, I guess broadly, I'll start with Scott. Um, Do you have any roster thoughts, like strategy thoughts? Do you think like how many pitchers do you need? It's a three game series. Obviously, later on, especially in the NLDS and the NLCS when there's no off days, you might want to carry even more pitchers. But have you thought about like how many pitchers you would carry uh, in in this kind of it's all very strange with 28 players and, and only a three game series. But have you thought about that balance at all?
2: I would lean more towards pitchers just because you're playing three games in a row. You might not be able to use a guy depending on how the games go. There's just no way of knowing, right? And because the DH is in play, you're going to have, I guess, an occasional opportunity where you might want to pinch hit, but there's no obvious candidates here on the roster, I guess. Um, Maybe Nick Markakis, maybe if they were to bring in a lefty to face him, you might want to bring in a right-handed bench bat if you have anybody. But again, um, there's really just because of that rule, this is not going to be your traditional playoff, or at least what we're used to on the National League side, where you need a little bit more of a bench. Uh, for me, I would I would lean heavier towards relief pitchers, um, play the matchups, and, and go that way.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. The one thing that I think about a little bit is that the rotation that you're going against with the Reds, uh, is are, you're going to be seeing righties and you worry a little bit about the left, some of the left-handed bats. I mean, obviously Freddie Freeman's like exactly the kind of guy that you'd want in this situation, but then you have Ozzy, which is going to be pushed to a side of the plate where he's not quite as good as, at plate. And then you're having to hope that Nick Martekis produces again. And we were hoping that he was going to do it again, that against the righties against the Cardinals last, last year. And that didn't really work out. So I, you wonder maybe if that is kind of guiding some of the decision a little bit with, you know, maybe they're going to be using Pablo Sandoval uh, maybe it guides the decision a little bit about what to do with Johan Camargo as well. But I tend to agree with Scott is that, you know, it's probably gonna be better, especially if there's any questions with Chris Martin that you kind of want to have a deep bullpen that if you can, if, if things start to go sideways, you know, rather than watching some of the meltdowns that we've got to watch, you know, this season where you're just like, well, that guy's just going to give up five runs and that's just the way it is that you just, you have more bullpen options that you can yank a guy who gets in trouble and then try someone else, uh, That just seems like the better plan, but I do kind of understand the idea of at least trying to plan ahead considering what kind of – the quality of pitchers that you're seeing out of the the Reds during the series. I mean, Bauer and Castillo and Gray are legitimately very good. So maybe you want to have some options to deal with that and maybe try to limit the exposure of some of your more vulnerable righty hitters. But overall, I mean, that seems like the general idea – it's like maybe someone carrying around somewhere around 15 pitchers or something like that. It's kind of where my head is.
0: Yeah, I think we're on the same page. I think, you know, with with 28, it's just so many players. But, you know, at least 14 would be where I was. I think I'd probably, te- I'd, I'd probably carry more than that, maybe up to 16 maximum. I'd, I'd probably go with 15 if you maybe guess. That doesn't matter necessarily all that much. And you might have a pitcher that just never pitches, and that's okay. Um, But... I don't know. With with the DH, this is something I've we've been struggling about all year. We've been talking about this all year long. We're all built as National League observers. But this time around, you just don't need that many bench players. The Braves have been doing this smartly for a while. They don't you, you just don't need them. You're not pinch hitting very often because why would you without a pitcher spot? There's all kinds of things that are normally in play that are not in play this time around. And as a result of that, yeah, you might you might not want to go to Grant Dayton a whole lot in the playoffs, but honestly, it's helpful to have Grant Dayton around. Um, just have an extra, and that's not just Grand Dayton, that's just the name I picked out of a hat, but it's just probably better to have an extra pitcher than it is a guy who legitimately may not play for you ever as a position player, just for the depth and all of that. So, we're all on the same page there. With that said, I compiled a list, that this is my list, and these guys can correct me if they disagree with me, of some locks on the roster, barring injury, and I want to know if you guys disagree with, with me or don't. Um, There are some very, very obvious ones. So we'll start with with the position players first. I think, obviously, both catchers. Darno and Flowers are locks. That's two. Freddie Freeman is three. Ozzy Albies is four. Dansby Swanson is five. Austin Riley, if he is healthy, is six. Marcel Azuna is seven. Ronald Acuna is eight. Adam Duvall is nine. Those are the absolute and utter locks, obviously. Now, I included three more guys on this list. And it might even be four with, with Sandoval now. I'm not really sure how, that, how this goes. And they are Nick Markekis, Ender Ciarte, realistically, Adani uh, Hachavria. Th- those are the three guys that I had on my lock list. And you might even add Sandoval based on what we've been hearing slash seeing with him playing on Sunday. So between 12 and 13 locks or close to locks. There's nine like absolute uber locks. And I can't imagine a scenario in which they would not carry Marcakis and Ender. In this scenario, but uh, I'll go to Eric first. Anything that you want to dis- disagree with me on here, or point out at the end of that list?
1: Uh, I don't. I, that sounds about right. I, I don't think Ender and CRT deserves a playoff spot personally. I think he's been. Truly that's why. Terrible, that's why I said. Rea- I think, that's
0: why I said realistically, Eric. Real- yeah, realistically, yeah, no, I mean, but they're I, not going to leave no, him that, off.
1: That, that, no, at this we would have the move to bring in Christian Pache would have already happened if. They were planning on not putting in Ender CRT because Pache would pr- like provide that same role, but actually do it better. But instead, that they've they've stuck their guns and keeping Ender on the roster, and they're not going to make that change now. Um, the only I, I agree I by the way,
0: is- and go ahead. I was going to say. Uh, I mean, I I agree. I, I'm glad you brought it up because we won't do 20 minutes on this, but the fact that. Christian Pache got one start this year and they didn't use any of this time to get him ready to play when he clearly would be, you know, long-term development out, out the window. Wouldn't he very clearly be a better, like, specialist playoff option when you have when you have a deep bench as someone who's very fast and can play defense? Like, this is not difficult, but alas, here we are. Yes.
1: Yeah, and for, like, no one has... Every time that Ender Enciarte is put in the lineup, he's batting ninth. Everyone treats him like a free (laughs) out because he is a free out. He's not as good defensively. You don't – I mean like that you'd even want to pinch like if you have a terrible right-handed reliever, you still would not want to pinch hit Ender Enciarte in that situation. You'd rather go to one of your catchers or another bat that's not playing that day. It blows my mind that they've handled it this way. But, I mean, look, there's money involved. There's – you know, there's – like you know, hurt feelings and stuff like that, and all managing a clubhouse. I, I understand all those things. This team would be better if Christian Pache was on it, especially in the playoffs, because then you could like have pinch runner type situations where you know you'd probably be happier having him on the base pass rather than Ender, who runs, who treats himself like he's fast, but he's not actually fast. Uh, you. If you need to make a defensive substitution, if someone does get hurt, you feel a little bit better about putting Pache out there and thinking something good might happen versus having Ender and which feels more like a white flag. These are th- these are things that I don't necessarily enjoy about the the roster composition. But I know that Ender is going to be there. The one question I have a little bit is Echeverria, because I wonder if like you know that positional versatility that he has, you know, if he's not really playing defense really well, then maybe you go to a more familiar face like Camargo if he's looked good at the alternate site. Um, kind of playing that same role, or God forbid, Charlie Culberson. I guess uh, Lord knows we're going to get those tweets, is you know, saying that Culberson deserves the spot over Echeverria, considering you know etcheverria's had like two bad games. But I, I think that you're probably right that they're going to stick with Echeverria if just to kind of safeguard against a Dansby injury. Yeah, he's going to like at least play shortstop, where we have seen both Camargo and you know Culberson just not being able to play that position at all. So I I, I, I get this composition, although there are a couple of slots that I'm less than happy about.
2: Yeah. No,
1: I, I think I'm
2: with you, and, and I think, uh, assuming all goes well and there's no injuries, honestly, I would be surprised if Hetch or Ender ever even see game-time action.
0: D- um, disagree on Ender. I, I, th- I think they're going to play Ender. I really do. Oh, God. Oh, I mean, I?
2: Not... Like, in the eighth inning, I mean, if they're up by four in the eighth inning, I guess I could go for it. But, I I mean, I don't think there's any way he starts. Do you?
0: I, I mean, I, I hope not, but... I no, mean,
1: I don't think so either.
0: You're you're facing three right-handed starters. That's all I'll say. You're facing three right-handed starters. Uh, and Brian Snicker likes enter NCRT in a way that uh cannot be overstated. And also, I- I'm I'm kind of kidding, but at the same time, I do think that you could see him not even not even with a four run lead. I think you could see him with a late lead as a defensive sub. Now, whether that's a good idea or not is different because he's not been a very good defender this year overall. But uh I'm kind of kidding, but Honestly, it would surprise me less than it would surprise you guys to see him to I see him say... in the lineup batting knife on in game one. It would not like, I would hate it, but I, I think I would not be as surprised as you guys seem to be to see yeah. to, to be I, honest,
1: I, I don't. I don't see that happening. That means one of two things: either Ronnie is still hurt, in which case we got bigger problems, and, or two, it means that Marquez. There's something, and this might actually just be the case. Marquez, there might be something wrong with him. Uh, well, here's of, like, the thing. Here's a, so, yeah, yeah let, let's do this now. I mean, real quickly,
0: Markekis was very, 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 very bad for about a month now. Now, I know he had two hits on Sunday. That's good. Um, he showed something on Sunday. But before that, I think his WRC Plus was like nine for the month of, of September. Like, he looked... Yep. He had worse. He had worse numbers than Ender in September, which is hard to accomplish. And I think we all think that he's a much better hitter than Ender in the grand scheme of things. But... He was very bad in September, and I, I, I'm hoping that with some rest, he looks better on Sunday, he gets two more days off, he's a guy who usually looks better after rest, he's an older player. I would certainly play Marquecas over Ender, but, you know, to your point, Marquecas is not a lock anymore. I know he was the guy that everybody infatuates over the first month when he rolls out of bed and hits 280, but he just stopped hitting, and no one paid attention to that other than some of us did. But, like, the, nas- you know, the national folks, the the beat guys didn't really talk about the fact that Marquez was terrible for a month, but he was. So, it's worth noting. Again, I I would expect it to be a in center with um Duval and Marquez. That's what I would do. That's what I expect to happen. I'm just saying there is a non-zero chance that Ender starts in center field. I I wouldn't I wouldn't do it, but man, uh I don't know. Maybe I'm just a fatalist. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a fan. I think Marcakis
2: would have to. Yeah, I think would like have to lose an arm before Stett wouldn't play him in a playoff game. Oh, I agree. I'm
0: I'm saying I'm saying over Duvall honestly, which is kind of hilarious because Duvall's like so much better than
1: both of them go ahead and pencil me in for an emergency podcast. If they start Ender and CRT in a playoff game over Adam <laughs> Duvall, who's been like one of the better hitters in the national league in September, you just go ahead and pencil that and I'll record it myself. If I have to, it's not, gonna, it's not going to, it's
0: not going to happen. I'm just, I'm just, just laying the groundwork. I just, uh, and I, I mean, to your, to your point, if, if they, they just love Ender, it, it's, it's more about him playing late than it is starting. Honestly, I'm, I'm kind of kidding about him starting. It would, it would surprise me. It wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't fall over. I just think that they have a higher opinion of his defense than we all do. That's all I'll say about that.
1: That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean again, having him as a backup option is not like a crazy notion. No, you, I mean, you carry like, him. Like, you you carry time. him at this point. At, at
0: this point, you have to carry him because you have not built up Pache to the point where you can put him in there now. Like that's that's their fault. That's that's organizational malpractice, and I believe that in my heart. Like the fact that he got one start and didn't play really at all. Is insanity, and he's so much better suited for a bench specialist role than like everyone else they have is, but they didn't they didn't do it, and maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe they'll maybe they've been getting him ready this whole time, and they'll surprise us and with this deep bench they'll throw him on there. But uh, I'd, I'd be surprised by all of that. Um, I don't know. So if we assume they carry Marquegas and Ender, um, I'm gonna assume they carry Hatch. That's twelve. They're gonna carry. I, I think they're gonna carry at least thirteen. So it's gonna be Sandoval or Camargo. Maybe the third. I mean, we, oh, this is one thing I wanted to ask you. What are your thoughts on a third catcher? So, especially if they had any any inkling to maybe use Darno as a DH and stick Ozuna in an outfield spot, which would have been a bigger thing if they were playing a team that had left hand starting pitchers, which they don't with the Reds. Um, at least for me, I was ready to talk about that more until it was the Reds who don't have right. I do have a, don't have a lefty starting pitcher, but that is their best lineup: is to DH Darno, play Flowers, and put Ozuna in the corner. I'm just not sure they're going to do that, but regardless, would you consider a third catcher? You know, Snit Snit it comes from that Bobby tree and they don't like to pinch hit catchers. Granted it's the it's the American League style baseball now, but do you think about that at all?
2: Um me personally with with the 28-man roster, I guess so. I don't see anybody else who immediately makes more sense. It's like absolutely. If they don't carry so and so instead of presumably Alex Jackson,
0: it's like it's Camargo. It's, it's basically Camargo, Sandoval, and a yeah. third catcher for maybe two spots out of those three. We'll get okay. We'll we'll throw Hetch in there too. Hetch, Camargo, Sandoval, and a third catcher. You get yeah. at least two of those four, and probably three of those four.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think there's any. I would be really of all those names. I think Camargo is. I, I think Johan has like a two percent chance of making the roster. Unless, unless does, Riley, they don't weird. think. Unless Riley's just not healthy, and they physically need someone who can play third, I think Camargo is way below. I like. I would bet ninety nine out of hundred dollars on a third catcher being carried over Camargo. Just
0: personally, they they've certainly treated Camargo like faulty, basically, like he's just not around. And I'm yeah. not sure what happened there. Yeah, if they just but, gave up yeah, on him. And ty- yeah, he's
1: dead to them. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not. It doesn't seem and maybe we maybe we're wrong but it, it feels like the way it's been talked about or not talked about the way that he just kind of disappeared it does not seem like Camargo is an option i have him on this list because he was on the team for quite a long time this year and he's been a a big part of the organization but i tend yeah. to think uh, that scott's on the right side with of that, of that one um eric do you would you carry a third catcher like i mean we'd all we'd all carry pache i think if we had a choice but considering we don't have the choice uh third catcher camargo like what would you do with those two or three spots
1: Man, you—it's not—it's not a crazy notion to carry a third catcher. I just don't necessarily like having to rely on Alex Jackson in any sort of situation in terms of offensively. I'd almost rather carry William Contreras if they're going to do that. But I understand the rationale for it, considering that it would require a confluence of events involving having to move Ozuna to the outfield. And if you feel like you're going to have to do that multiple times uh, against these righty starters, then it requires like an injury or two probably. Um, then maybe you do it, but beyond that, it's just, you know, just kind of carry the best the, – the, the next best bat is who you probably carry in this situation, which it seems more likely to be like a Sandoval type thing. But, you know, in terms of third culture, I get the rationale for it. Um, not something that necessarily moves the needle a lot for me, uh, especially when you kind of factor in the kind of lineups that the Brazier may be expecting to see or, or the rotation they're, they're going to be seeing. And I think that if you're having to make to play those types of games in your lineup, then you're probably gonna have bigger problems. Because for the Braves to really make a run in the playoffs, like their offense is gonna have to be healthy and clicking on all cylinders. Because that's what's gonna carry them. So if you're kind of having to like you know rely on like third catchers and having to move things around and things like that, then you might have uh, some other problems going on.
0: I totally agree with that. It's a good place to pause for a second for a word from our sponsors.
2: Learn more at marines.com. All
0: right, guys, we're back. And uh, keeping on the position players slash lineup slash bench construction, let's talk about the Reds for a second. Uh, the Reds were the team that scared me the most, I'll speak for myself, because of the three starting pitchers that they have. It's, it's a short series. They unequivocally have a better rotation than the Braves do right now. That's an advantage that the Reds have. Um, I will say this, they're all right-handed. It's Bauer, it's Gray, it's Castillo. Um, they were essentially the best rotation in baseball this year, or at least close to it. But they're all right-handed, so that's at least easy for planning for, for, from a planning standpoint. The Braves were actually better this year, stunningly, against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching, which surprised me when I looked it up. But it's true. Um, despite despite the, the fact they have all these right-hand dominant bats, they're just so good that you know guys like Ronnie and Ozuna did not discriminate this year. They just smashed everyone, which is helpful. Um, so we'll stop there for a second. Like, obviously, it's a little bit scary. For the lineup to face this kind of starting pitching, if you get beyond them, it's not as scary by any means. But uh, Eric, do you have any like lineup thoughts against them? Do you just kind of play the guys who brought you? Uh, as I mentioned before, like do you consider maybe maybe DHing Darno and putting Ozuna in a corner at some point? Like, what kind of thoughts have you had other than just fear about this rotation and what you're seeing?
1: I mean, it's definitely a little bit of fear. I don't think you'd get too cute. I don't think the idea of Marcelo Zuna having to man a defensive position in a playoff game is something that I – because I know for certain what happens in that game, given Atlanta sports luck, is that there's going to be a ball that has to be fielded, and he won't get to it. And that would be really frustrating – um, I, I think that we're kind of in a situation again where we just, the guys who are supposed to mash against right-handers just have to produce. And that means Marcus is going to have to do something. It means that Ozzy from the left side is going to have to be, have to be productive. And it means that Freddie Freeman, who was hurt you know, in during the Cardinals series is going to have to like really kind of carry the weight and give us some long at bats. have to, you know, kind of get some of these guys their pitch counts up because you can't have if Trevor Bauer gets through the first three innings on 32 pitches, the Braves probably aren't going to win that baseball game. And I don't care if Max Freed's on the mound or not because, you know, it's just a situation where you kind of have to get these guys out of here. You can't, you have to get to that bull, their bullpen, which is pretty middling um, and you have to be able to put up some runs. And that means I think you have to like, get these guys off their games a bit and not just let them do their four or five pitch sequence and then get the outs that they were looking for. Um, and there's, you know, that, that's easier said than done, obviously. And, but fortunately, you have some guys in our lineup. You know, Acuna is really good at this. Uh, Dansby can be really good at this. Is that really prolonging at bats? And you know, instead of those three or four pitch at bats, you also can get you can get those six, seven, eight pitch at bats. And you know, just your approach has to be if you can't do anything with the pitch, you have to at least you know put foul it back and at least see another one uh, because this is not a lineup that should scare anyone, particularly on the road. Uh, I looked it up earlier, and their road WRC plus is eighty one. Which is shockingly bad um, for an entire uh, entire roster uh, for the Reds. So you do, this is an offense that even with the types of rotation they should be going against, if they they should be able to put up enough runs to keep up with this this lineup. Yeah. Uh, now that I've said it out loud, you know we know it's going to happen, but it's <laughs> a situation where I, I think that you know they just need to do their jobs and not necessarily get too cute with lineup construction.
2: I will say, as good at and don't get me wrong. Bauer, Gray, Castillo is really, really good. And only the Braves, as the number two seed in a team that was pretty comfortably number two in the league all year, could draw three good pitchers like this in a a shortened series, right? Only the Braves. But um, a couple people have pointed out that uh, Trevor Bauer in particular has faced some really, really bad lineups all year. You think about the NL Central, there's really very few good just looking – uh here at at Fangraphs as far as um offensively the pirates were the worst team in baseball a team wrc plus of 73 the cubs who uh according to ESPN have the second best lineup in the national league have a team wrc plus <laughs> of ni- I had to get that in 91 um the tigers who they faced uh, i believe seven times or 23rd with a the- so my point is Yes, they're very, very good, and these guys could absolutely keep the Braves to a the Braves lineup to a minimum. But they also faced about as bad of offensive competition. There's no lineup like the Braves in the NL Central. I guess I guess what I'm trying to say, or uh, the American League Central, with the exception of maybe the White Sox and Twins, who they only faced, I believe, one series each. Um, they are good. Don't get me wrong. I was I was intimidated at first, but uh, I would hope that if if uh, 50% of your games came against the, Pi- the Pirates, Tigers, uh, the, the Cubs lineup, which was not good. The Brewers lineup was also in the bottom five. Um, I would hope that you would have pretty decent numbers. So that does give me some reason for optimism. Again, not going to be easy, but they were not facing very good competition.
0: I, I will say this uh, about the approach. I, I agree, you know, it's a bad matchup in terms of the other teams that you could have been facing, the Braves are still the better team in the series. All the caveats aside, it's just not great to have to face those three pitchers. Um, I I would personally, as we sort of wrap up the lineup portion of this, I actually would start Ozuna in a corner outfield spot in game two. To avoid having Darno catch three days in a row, um, I would actually do exactly that. I would start Darno a catcher in game one. I would, in game two, start Flowers a catcher. Put Ozuna in left, pray, and have Darno DH. Because yeah. I I truly think the the gap between it'd be, it'd be different. I would say it'd be different if Markakis was Markakis and the guy that he was a month ago. If we knew that guy was there, the gap isn't big enough to justify it. But with the uncertainty with him, with the uncertainty with Ender, or the certainty that he's bad, um, the gap between Ozuna. Or getting Darno back in the lineup, or even Flowers at the plate against Markakis, or Ender is is a pretty big gap. Like, I I just wouldn't. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe 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 they they won't worry about Darno catching three days in a row. But it's just something to consider. Um, And Flowers is you know a good backup catcher. He's a good player, so I would at least consider it in game two. I, I wouldn't start the series with it. So. To answer my own question, I would not come out and just say "guns ablazing," we're playing and Mar- left. I wouldn't do that, but I would I would think about it in game two, especially if you lost game one. I would I would kind of go all in if you had to do that. <sighs> with, that with that out of the way, um, let's talk about pitching for a second, or more than a second, because this is obviously the area that we're all more worried about. Um, and you know, we should point out just to say it out loud: the Braves lineup went dead last year. We all know this happened. I just want to say it out loud for all the talk about pitching and all the decisions and all the stuff that happened in the 2019 playoffs, the lineup has gone dead the last two postseasons essentially. Um, And if that happens again, they're dead, which we kind of know, but it's just, let's just speak into existence and hopefully it won't happen again. It happened last year. It happened the year before. And uh, they can't afford it this time around, especially with what what, 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 what we're we're about to talk about. Okay. Pitching wise, we know Max Frieden game one, that's the lock of all locks Um, from there though. I assume it's Ian Anderson in Game 2. Game 3, Kyle Wright, I think. Um, And then, obviously, the bullpen. And then the locks. The locks in the bullpen are as follows. There are seven that I believe are absolute locks. It's Melanson, it's Smith, it's Green, it's Martin if healthy, it's Minter, it's Matzik, and it's Darren O'Day. Um, That's where I'll stop for now. So I think those guys that I just named, the ten of them, Three starters and the seven relievers are locks. There are obviously more spots up for grabs. Um, Scott, I'll go to you first this time. Do you think anyone needs to be added to the lock list or removed from the lock list?
2: Mm. Um, lock list, no. I, I don't think Lu- there's anyone. Lu- Luke Jackson who... used
0: to be a lock. He's not anymore. Ooh. I'll tell you that right now.
2: Goodness gracious, Luke. Hey, Luke Jackson died so A.J. Minter can live is kind of like my uh, <laughs> how, I'll, how I'll look back on the bullpen this year because as good as Luke was last season and as bad as Minter was, I think actually just Minter wasn't healthy last year again. But, uh, yeah, I, I think those are truly locks. Those guys uh, assuming health is, is is the
0: group. Eric, thoughts?
1: Uh, yeah, I, mean, I have no. I, these would all be locks for me for sure. Uh, the, the the one obviously is Martin with a minor injury, but you know, yeah. Uh, and I would say I would probably add Jacob Webb to the lock. Yeah,
0: I mean he was a guy I considered, and, and I think he's going to be on there. Um, also, I think Josh Tomlin is pretty close to a lock, just because of the way that they're going to approach it. I'm not sure you have to well, use him a lot. Yes,
1: I, I I would agree with that.
0: But I I, I you know Tomlin's a veteran. He's been there before. They've he's in a role that is better for him as a long reliever. I don't think you're no one's gonna be thrilled to see Josh Tomlin pitch in a playoff game, but because he can go multiple innings, I think he is pretty clearly gonna be on the team because they have so many extra spots. But yeah, I mean if we added Webb that gets us to what, eleven? Tomlin is twelve. You gotta get to fourteen at least, maybe fifteen. Um, the other the other contenders are as follows. You have uh you have Enoa and Wilson as the two longer relievers. You have Luke Jackson. You have Grant Dayton. Uh, I suppose they could just throw an absolute Hail Mary and go to full tier Newcomb. I'd be surprised by that, but they could certainly do it. Um, anybody else worth mentioning that I am forgetting? I'm especially asking Eric who makes, who remembers guys that I never remember that are like the fringe young guys, like Just Seal De La Cruz, maybe? I have no idea. Like anybody have thoughts on anybody else that we can that we should add to the consideration list?
1: No, not really, just because I mean you have kind of your lefty options already as locks, so those would be kinda of like the weird corner cases. I mean you think about guys like, you know, like Patrick Weigel or, you know, guys like that. But like yeah. the Braves just have like uh, Tucker Davidson made his debut this week, so that was exciting, but I don't think that he's didn't gonna go great. play out. No, it didn't. First inning was great, second inning the defense kinda let him down and he left some pitches over and didn't really go but I, he's not a guy that I think he, they're going to try to use in a playoff, you know, in a playoff role as a reliever when he's never done it before, right? So, no. um, if we're at twelve spots right now, that sounds about right. If we're including Web, so like that's another you two, got, you gotta get two or three I, more. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel I, like I, I think I, I think you, knew, you know, uh, has earned the, like another like a, a longer spot, or maybe you know, depending if like you how you like what he's been pitching, maybe he's like that guy who piggybacks with Wright in Game Three or something like that. Uh I guess you have to you have to put Lou Jackson in there. But I would You don't be, have to.
0: I'll say this. I, you, you do not have to in my I mean, okay, here's what here's the way that I would put it. I think you have to you have to have at least one of Enoa or Wilson. You might even take both, but you have to have at least one of those guys, I think. And then Enoa you know for sure for me. Yeah, and that's fine. I, I just think you know those guys are similar in their potential roles as like longer relievers. You're not gonna start them, but maybe they're piggybacks. Um, Eric, Leans, do you do you know it? Scott, do you have a, pref- a preference between Wilson and e- a, you know it for that role?
2: Um, probably you know just because his stuff is a little bit better. But um, honestly, as we're talking about these last few guys, I hope that they're not really counted on at any point, especially in a three-game series. But and you um, shouldn't you
0: shouldn't yeah. need them. But I mean, I was going to yeah. say this, I say this at last, but before I forget to say it, there's a couple of these veterans, uh, Melanson for one. Um, that Snicker kind of famously does not want to pitch. Three days in a row, so just keep that in mind. Um, if especially if you get a start uh, in game two or game three, where a starter just can't give it to you, and you got to have a quick hook, you cannot leave Anderson or Wright or whoever out there for too long. And I hope Snicker manages to that. But if you do that, it is three games in a row uh, without without an off day. And if you have a couple of these pitchers that they don't want to have three days in a row, like Oday or Melanson, who are a little bit older, you know. I'm not saying you get too short in a hurry, but if you have one bad blow-up start, it gets uh, dicey. So that's why you want to have multiple, I think, guys who can, in a pinch, throw multiple innings, whether it be Tomlin or Enoa. I think two of those three, between Tomlin and Enoa and Wilson, should be there. I I agree, it's probably Tomlin and Enoa for me as well. Um, Luke Jackson versus Grant Dayton, or both? Is another thing. Like again, Ugh. I agree with Scott. I, I agree with Scott's point that none of this is great. And again, you probably hope to never use this guy. If you have fifteen pitchers, you shouldn't need to use them all. To be honest with you. Um <laughs> yeah. But that last thing, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe they, maybe they, they go to Luke Jackson out of loyalty slash um, been there before. But he's not been the same guy this mm. year. Like we we famously defended as, him as last one of the year.
1: last guys. As one of the last guys added to this roster, if Luke Jackson comes in in a one-run playoff game in, like, the seventh inning...
0: That's the problem. I mean, that's honestly the... I mean, the whole elephant in the room here always is the fact that Snicker might do something very silly. Um, And that's one of those things. Like, Luke Jackson, who we defended last year as being underrated because people were really mad at him in a role that he shouldn't have been in as a closer, this year he's not been good. Like, last year he got unlucky, like, pretty obviously, if you look at the numbers. This year he's just been bad. And it's not really up for debate... Um. yeah and, and the fear with all this stuff especially with Luke I agree with you Eric is that you know because Luke Jackson is a very familiar piece for Brian Snicker he might use him in a way that is, fami- that is familiar which is not what you want in this spot so maybe maybe Anthopolis will not put him on there to Snicker proof the roster I don't know I'm actually asking that question out loud <laughs> which is funny but
1: if, 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 if he is not put on this roster that is exactly what happened I kind of agree that with a, that
0: yeah I don't know.
1: I mean, I, this doesn't really take, matter, but yeah. go ahead. Go ahead I would
2: happily take Grant Dayton over Luke Jackson. I mean, Grant Dayton has been pretty good this year. He's been used pretty regularly. Um, just looking at his numbers, he, he's thrown 27 innings. He appeared in 18 games. He wasn't a guy who only got into games when it was like complete uh, blowout time. Uh, two thirty ERA is good. Um, his his underlying numbers are not as good. Four oh seven FIP, five oh five X FIP. But um, I I trust Grant Dayton with a five run lead in the sixth inning. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not, high but high that, bar to clear that, there, Scott. Know what? Thank you. But and we laugh. But honestly, they bring Luke Jackson in a five run game. I would absolutely have somebody else warming up the moment no, he comes. You are
0: you're you're really right about agreed. that. I'm, uh, we're we're kidding, we, but and we've you're seen right. It I mean. Happen. Yeah. And it's also, it's also the playoffs. I mean, the playoffs are just different. That's something we should stress. And we all understand that, but the playoffs are just, they need to be managed differently. You have to take into account leverage. You have to use guys very purposefully. You cannot waste appearances like the, it's sort of a high wire act. And, you know, Luke is just not a guy that anyone is going to trust right now, except for potentially the manager of the Braves. He might, he might look at him and say, Oh, that's Luke Jackson. We trust Luke Jackson, Gosh. and I, I kind of get that, but I, you just can't do it right now. He just he does not have the uh, the look of a man who has been very good at pitching baseballs.
2: Yeah, after today, I think it might have been the nail in the coffin. If it was at least close in the mind of Anthopolis, I think. I mean, Luke was horrible today. Um, yeah, and not that you want to put too much in one set, but he's been bad really for the last month and a half. I mean, beginning of the year he was okay, but lately it's it's like he comes in and there's. A, three runs in before he can even, you know, do the little head shake thing he always does. Uh, it's uh, it has not been good for, for Luke this year.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, we, we could probably stop there. Uh, you know, the only, the only surprises would be uh, if they went to full tier Newcomb, but I just, I can't see that happening. They just bury those guys too much. I, I wish they had actually groomed Newcomb for a reliever role or at least tried it. That's the only thing that I would say is a regret for me. We've talked about full ad nauseum, but I really think they should have, at least tried Newcomb as a reliever in the last two weeks. I, I would have done that. He, Newcomb has been a good reliever in the past, and not that long ago. Like, he was a good reliever last season. Mm-hmm. I would have at least tried to get him ready to do that. And if it failed, it failed, and maybe maybe they're just seeing something that, that they don't trust, and obviously we're all flying blind with the alternate site, so that that caveat has to be applied. But I wish they had done that at some point, but they didn't, yeah. so.
1: Yeah. Alas. And I think, I, would, I think those guys pitch for the Braves all
0: No, I I tend to agree. They're probably they're probably gone. Um, Okay, last thing on this front. You know, Eric mentioned this earlier, but the lineup for the Reds is not good. It's been basically below average, even by National League standards this year for the for the full season. Um, Is there anybody in the lineup that scares you for the Reds? I mean, we talked about like just sort of broad strokes, Um, the famous names that people will know. Like you know, Joey Votto is the number one player that people are going to recognize, but they don't really have a whole lot of guys that like terrify you. Mike Mustakas has been good in the recent past. Um, you, you know, Eugenio Suarez is a talented guy with some power. They have some power, but it's the guys. The death is not great. And Joey Votto is not Joey Votto anymore, necessarily. He was better late in the year this year, but anybody actually scare you in this lineup at all?
2: Um, for me, no. I mean, again, I think um, this year is so weird, but I mean, you look around, you, you look at the last month, uh Mike Moustakas I mean they have a lot of name recognition right Mike Moustakas Joey Votto of course is one of the game's best hitters um you know Nick Castellanos was hot early and has really been bad lately um Jesse Winker is probably their best hitter or at least was for most of the year though he had a brutal month of September yeah only he hit- tailed off a lot 087 I'm looking at here 087 in the month of September that is uh bad in all capital letters so um Again, I think there's more name recognition here than actual guys who scare you. Maybe two or three years ago, they scare you more. Um, I say this, and I prepare for the Reds to score like 50 runs over the next three games. But um, <laughs> as we've kind yeah. of said, the Bra- as much of the Braves' rotation scares you, or the Reds' rotation, rather, scares you, I think this Reds lineup is just not that good.
0: They do have a bunch of guys that can slug 500. Like, they have a lot of that-archetype players. Not Votto, but the other guys who are prominent, Mustakis, Castellanos, um, Suarez. These guys are power guys who are not great at everything else, but if they start running into stuff, you're in some trouble. So there is a little bit of fear with that, like, that they'd get hot at the right at the right time. Like, Castellanos, you mentioned, but early in the year was, like, scorching hot. Um, and has been a guy who's been a really good hitter, hitter in the past, who was linked to the Braves, remember, last winter, before they signed uh, Ozuna. Anyway, I mean... They have some talent. This is not like it's a throwaway team. There's a reason. The biggest reason why the Reds scared all of us was the pitching, but they do, they do have some talent in the lineup. This year, it's not been very good, but this year is a small sample size by nature. Um, they have more talent in their lineup than some of the other teams that the Braves could have been playing, so it wasn't just the pitching that scared me, but I, I do tend to agree that it's not like anybody is like individually terrifying. It's just, uh, you know, with the Braves' pitching situation right now, if you run into a red team that gets hot all of a sudden, uh, you know, could be a little bit of trouble.
1: Yeah, the thing that kind of—it's a double-edged sword, of me in, being, in terms of being scared. On the one hand, like I think that a lot of the number, the power numbers that these guys do put, have put up have been at home because an 81 WRC yeah. plus on the road tells me a lot about kind of what they've been doing at home uh, to, to get anything done. Um, and but the thing that's scary, just from like the. Like baseball gods just wanting to smite me, is that they don't have a single pl- like there there is one player in their top nine for like Fangraphs WAR on the season that has a bad BIP over three hundred, like and they have like guys like two nineteen two o like Eugenio Eugenio Suarez is a very good hitter, and has a bad BIP of two o two this year, and that's exactly some of that is the probably kind of the Duval
0: like. So that's probably the Adam Duvall like low BABIP because they because they just hit home runs like Adam, like Adam Duvall's BABIP is like incredibly low this year because all, all he does is hit home runs. But I agree with you like there's some there's some luck in there too, which is not what you want.
1: Yeah, and you worry about the regression monster. I mean, it, it, it giveth and it taketh away, and I really don't want that to be happening in the series. Uh, there are certainly some things about their bat ball profiles that make you think that you're probably right in terms of you know some of that being of their own devices, especially at home. When yeah. they're, they're ball they're They're trying to hit the ball in the air in the hopes that it'll kind of get over those shower fields. And that's not necessarily going to work at truest, but at the same time, like, you know, I'm not sure how excited I am to having a pitch against Joey Votto in a post, post even post season as bad as he's been this year. Yeah. So yeah, you, know, you there, should There's be. definitely here. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's, Joey
0: it's, Votto is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah.
2: Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. Looking at their splits, um, they were better against righties than lefties, and the Braves do have some balance. Of course, Freed is lefty, and, and Anderson and Wright, presumably, are, are starting games two and three. Um, but against lefties, they only had a team WRC Plus of 81, which is pretty bad. Um, that's That was 24th in the majors, um, ahead of some pretty bad lineups. Uh, they're a little bit better against righties with a, a team WRC Plus of 90. Um, but again, if, if the Braves are going to lose this series, it's because... Castillo, Bauer, and Gray are gonna just shove for, you know, combined 21 innings or whatever it's gonna be. That's the Reds path here, I think. Not if the Braves get outscored, if they if the Braves lose three slugfests this week, or at least two out of three, I would be pretty surprised.
0: I, I agree with that. Um I would just say the Reds do have the capability of exploding offensively. I'm not saying it's gonna happen, but this is not a lineup that's like void of talent or power. So yeah. that's the one. That's yeah. my sure. only word of caution. I think we all agree on that. I just worth saying out loud that it's not like a slapstick lineup that's like you know incapable <laughs> of beating up on you. And was, there's a lot of power in this lineup that the Braves are gonna be seeing. Yeah, in the a next lot few of days. name. Yeah,
2: a lot of name recognition what, to be sure.
0: A lot of names a lot of power guys who are like you know maybe your three true outcome kind of players. Um, oh, I guess last thing we've all said it, but are we in agreement that it should be Freed Anderson right in that order? And then with right on the shortest possible leash. I mean, frankly, yeah. Anderson and right on the, Anderson and right on the shortest possible leash. But just is that is that where we all are?
1: Yeah, that sounds right to me.
0: Okay, I mean, in general, the bar for a guy staying in to a game, especially non-max freed, the guy stay the guy the bar for a guy staying in the game should be exceedingly high. There should be short leashes on... Even Anderson's been good, but the leash should be short on him, too. Wright should be short. That's why you have multiple guys who can go multiple innings. That's all, that's why... It, it, it's just playoff baseball. You have to manage like it's playoff baseball. I mean, if the world ends and Max Fried struggles you probably can't, you can't leave him out there either. It's not like, you know, obviously he has a longer leash than everybody else does. Cause he's so good, but you have to manage differently. It's a playoff series. People are always surprised when, you know, people like us are calling out for a pitcher to be removed in like the third inning. But like, it's just what happens. You have to have guys very close to the best, especially on this team. When you don't have a lot of trust in your starting pitching, you uh, you know, freed, you're hoping, got, hoping beyond hope the free can go six, six, seven innings in game one. But other than that, man, uh, could be a lot of early bullpens and that's not even a shot at Anderson. Right. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just saying if they show any sort of wobble, you got to get them out of there basically. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Again, it, in a normal playoff series, I think that's the case. And when it's truly three games to decide if you're advancing or not, it's, it's even more. So I would, I would almost have a, a reliever ready to go at a moment's notice the entire game. I know that's not feasible just because you don't want someone throwing in the bullpen that long, but as you but said, close. even the, the slightest, <laughs> yeah, the slightest bit of, of drama after the first maybe two innings or three innings, I think you have to have everybody ready to go uh, and, and use. I mean, again, I, you want to use your good relievers in, in a series like this. If if the situation calls for it, use Shane Green in the fifth inning. Who knows what Strong kind of situations agree. are going to be there? But I mean, honestly, it's it's you have eighteen bad innings and the season is over. And I know it was a short year. And everyone's going to look back on this kind of a weird one, but do not let your don't die early in a series because you saved Shane Green for a situation that never happened.
1: I totally agree. I mean, it's (laughs) go ahead, Eric. Well, I was about to say, I the 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 biggest worry I have in this series truly is how it's going to be managed tactically. Uh, I I think that like emotionally. And kind of like the pregame stuff that Snitger is going to really have these guys like in the right mindset and ready to go. But I worry about the moment to moment decision making in a very short series, because even if it's like, you know, a a best of five or a best of seven, you can make um, a mistake here and there. But if you make like a mistake in a three game series against a pitching a rotation, that's just not going to give you much unless you're playing really well like you bring in the wrong reliever or you just go, Hey, maybe I can get another inning out of this guy. I mean, we've seen this in the regular season just this year. It's like they left a guy in one inning too long and the Braves had to come back and score six runs as a result to win those games. Now this Braves team is weird and they've come back and won a lot of those games that they've had no business coming back and winning. But how many times have we said, why is this guy still in? Why is this guy still out there? You know, why aren't we bringing this guy in? Why aren't, You know, like those that moment-to-moment decision-making and playing those matchups by the numbers and not by feel is something that I think is going to be really important. And I worry a little bit about that with this series. I still think the Braves should be significantly favored. Uh, I will say I'm thrilled that the Braves aren't going against the Dodgers or the Cardinals. Uh, I feel like a lot of the bad juju kind of feels like it's not involved uh, in terms of this series. But, you know, in terms of that moment-to-moment decision-making – it's a little concerning, um, even if I think that there's some, definitely some positives to what SNIP brings to the table.
0: Scott, do you have any thoughts on that uh, before I go on my rant that I'm struggling?
2: <laughs> uh, no, I, I think that pretty much covers it for me. Manage every game like it's Game 7 of the World Series. Um, I know you can't always do that in a traditional 5 or 7 game series, but in a 3 game series, uh, go all out. Don't Don't hold anything back. Do whatever you have to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kidding about my rant. Um, I think we all know where we all stand on this. I, I definitely have fear about uh, the manager in this situation. Uh, he's not covered himself in glory in these situations in the past. I, I think slash hope that it's been uh, put in his head that he, he needs to sort of manage a little bit more aggressively in this spot. Um, you know, it's not like he can't uh, get better. That's allowed. And, you know, we'll see how they handle that. I agree with what Eric said. You know, the, the Braves are the better team in this spot. Um, the Braves were the better team last year in the Cardinal series. We all agree on that. I still think that now, and they lost. So it's baseball. Yep. I will just I, I will say this out loud right now. I'm looking at the 538 projections right now. I looked at a couple other things. Um, every every system, every betting market is going to have the Braves favored in the series, and they should. The Braves are better than the, the Braves are better than the Reds. Now, it's a three game baseball series. Even even the Dodgers. So this is this 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 is not a painted picture for everybody right now. The Dodgers, who are, by any description, an uber-elite baseball team, in any year, they're ridiculous, they were so good in every way, their rosters are loaded. Even the Dodgers, on 538 right now, only have a 77% chance of winning their first-round series. Now, that's a Mm. a lot, but the Dodgers, against the eighth-best team in the National League, should be favored by a lot more than that, but it's a three-game baseball series. Anything can happen in a three-game baseball series. So there, there's some cover in that for the Braves, unfortunately, because as we've all litigated forever, it's been 19 years since they've won a the playoff series. It's a three game series. I just want everybody to realize that going in, that we all think the Braves are better than the Reds. And I'm going to pick the Braves. I think we all are. It's still a three game baseball series. And even the best team in the league, the Dodgers by a lot is only a three and four favorite against the eighth best team in the national league. And like, you know they're playing the brewers. The brewers are terrible. Like the brewers were not good at baseball this year. The brewers were below 500. The brewers are not good at all, and they still have a quarter of the of the 100 chance at being the best team maybe ever assembled. Not 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 really, but like literally that kind of tier team, the Dodgers. So I'm I don't, I'm not even sure I have a point here. I just want to put that out there, and make sure we say it out loud that you know even if the, if the right buttons are pressed, baseball is a very random sport, and there's a reason why series need to be longer than three games and it's because there's a lot of randomness in a three-game baseball series
2: yep absolutely you're right i mean you hope that after watching the cardinals hit like 14 line drive doubles like right down the first and third base foul lines last Uh, year they should do for some good luck but you're right i mean we all saw the difference of, of two inches to the left or two inches to the right can be the difference between advancing and going on a run or I mean this season being over on Thursday night effectively is, is what it comes down to. So hopefully the Braves are due for some fortunate luck and a couple good bounces and are able to get through this.
0: Scott, Scott, uh, give me your, give me your prediction. Uh, three game series. There are only a couple, only a couple options here, but uh, prediction <laughs> sl- winner and games right now, Scott on the record. I
2: will say, um, boy, I'm going to say Braves in two. Uh, I think Freddy it's, it's Bremis, so
0: weird to hear Braves in two. <laughs>
2: Braves and two. Let's lock it in. Oh. i going in. I know everyone always gives me crap for being pessimistic, and you can understand why. But I think I think this Braves lineup is legit. Um, just digging into the Reds a little bit. They have th- a couple of very good starting pitchers, but I do think they faced about as bad of competition as a team could realistically face in something like this. Um, I think the Braves are healthy, at, at least as healthy as you can be this time of year. Um, So I'm going to say Braves in two and Freddie Freeman just goes berserk in the very long two games that he plays.
1: Eric predictions. I will also take the Braves in two. Uh, A lot of the reasons that Scott mentioned apply to me. I think that the lineup that the Braves are fielding is significantly better than what the Reds are going to be trotting out. I think that this team is kind of built to, how do I put it? We've already seen a a Braves team, like pissed Trevor Bauer off in the sense that like they kept fouling off pitches and they got him out in the fifth inning and he kind of complained and was tilted about it. And I don't think there's necessarily, he can do much he can do about it. This is a team that's pretty good about drawing walks and at least getting guys pitch counts up. Um, And as a result, I don't think that these guys are going to be able to go deep enough in the games to stop the Braves offense. Uh, And with a middling, like kind of a a medium to meh, uh, Relief core outside of Iglesias, I, I like what the Braves can do. And part of my my prediction of the Braves in two is more aspirational because if there's a game three with everything on the line and we're relying on Kyle Wright and a, a, a Kyle Wright-Josh Tomlin piggybacking situation to carry us, <laughs> to, 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 to carry us out of a 20-year oh. playoff series drought, like uh, my heart won't be able to take it. And I still like Kyle Wright, and I really do like K- Josh Tomlin, but I couldn't... I, it wouldn't be good for any of us if that's what we were relying on to get us through to our first pro season series. So yeah. I'm just like, let's just get it done in two, give everyone a break, and then we'll go on from there.
2: Yeah. I might, I might just pop a couple Ambien right before game three. If that's what happens, just take a little oh nap and see what happens three hours later. Cause that would be sweet. Um, yeah. So, so Brad, what's your, uh, what's your prediction?
0: By the way, just good, good, sweet God about that game three scenario, oh, Eric. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm
1: okay, so that's what
0: you, you guys were optimistic, and I, uh, I think again, as I said before, I, we all think the Braves are better. We're all picking the Braves. I, I think I, I'm going to go with the math play, and the math play is very clearly Braves in three, because you know, for instance, I've seen two projections yeah, now right. by the by the systems, and they're both like sixty percent for the Braves ish in the series, which honestly seems right again, three game playoff series, the better team should win, but not that much, not that often. So with that in mind, I I think my brain has to say Braves in three. Uh, I am closer to Braves in two than I am to picking the reds. If that makes sense. So Braves in like 2.6 is actually the prediction, but I will say Braves in three. Uh, And hopefully that, and uh, hopefully a week from now or not less than a week from now, we can we can have a discussion about whether this actually counts in terms of breaking the the playoff series drought because it's it's a three game I I've seen, I've seen that discussion recently. It's like, is this even going to count? They win it. It's like, no what? It's going to count for us. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But, I just don't
1: want to um, hear it anymore. So yeah. I'm I, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm
0: exactly with you. I I, I do not want to reference the 2001 ever again on this podcast after this week. Uh, you know, as of as of now, we're recording this Sunday night, and I will have told you at the beginning of the podcast that we've delayed this, but uh we don't know the start times, but obviously the games are Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There's no breaks. We, we, we are planning to be here, uh, post game each night with a podcast. So hopefully no 17 inning marathons for our sake. Um, but yeah, that's, that's our coverage plan. You've heard all of our predictions now, gentlemen, thank you very much for being here. And, uh, yeah i mean check out the site if anybody has any final thoughts please share them or anything to plug i know i am not writing or least I haven't written in a while but uh, eric Scott, have you written anything that you want to plug or anything from the site i know mm-hmm. eric deputy editor man everything anything to plug <laughs> over there uh
1: there's gonna be a lot there's gonna be a lot of preview content coming out over the last couple of days uh between the lineup the pitchers the the bullpen there's a lot of kind of stuff that chris has in the offering, and i've kind of already gotten farmed out to get covered uh, obviously keep up with the site in terms of like breaking news whenever we find out what's going on with all these guys who are dinged up. you know that, One thing I know about Chris Willis is that in terms of breaking news, it will be on the site in 30 minutes, whether that means he needs to you know, get written up at his day job to make sure he gets posted or get someone yep. to cover it. So if you're wanting the most up-to-date information and write-ups on it, you go to TalkingChop.com, and Ooh. you know it's one of nine different people that will jump in and grab that stuff too. You know, I I do want to kind of say just in general, this has been a very weird season and the Talking Chop staff has really stepped up and, like, made this feel more normal than it had any right to be, um, getting things covered. You know, we didn't have a minor league season. You know, there's a lot of weirdness with the season itself in terms of what was going on, and I honestly think that the staff did a great job, and I'm really happy about all, with all you guys. It was, uh, it was a really weird year, but, you know, it, it definitely was comforting to kind of have be back in the swing of things with all you guys for sure
2: yeah and if uh we can get a little breaking news in here very exciting Uh-oh. uh braves reds game one get ready for it is at noon eastern time on God Wednesday, which is 9 a.m for your favorite west coast correspondent 9 a.m playoff <laughs> baseball i am going to throw a remote control in the middle of the workday. um but yes, so noon Eastern is game one. Oh, game two on Thursday is TBD. The good news is, even if it goes 17 innings, Brad, we can still record a podcast at normal hours. Um
0: oh, my, <laughs> my, head, my, my head hurts like a lot at that thought yeah. of like I have to I have to like take the afternoon. I don't even know how I'm gonna do that. Okay, we're gonna have to plan for all of that. But yes, that's uh the only upside of that is that it's easier to record. So I can guarantee you. By the time you go to bed on Wednesday night, we'll have a podcast up. Uh, I don't know when or how or who Uh, other than me. I'll be there and probably one of you will be there with me or both of you. I don't know how we're going to do that. But, yeah, thank you, gentlemen, again, for all of your work on this podcast, especially. I am the nominal host, but you guys are always here with me. So thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, everybody that listens to the podcast. Shouts to Chris for employing us all. And, uh, yeah, please subscribe to the podcast. We're going to be here. Thank you for uh, taking the ride with us so much. Uh, and yeah, stay tuned. Our next podcast will be mercifully uh, could be could be Wednesday afternoon. I have n- <laughs> I have no idea what the next podcast is going to be. Scott and Eric, <laughs> thank you. And we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> great a great a great note to end on. Go Braves! Braves in two or Braves in three is the big question on this podcast at the end of it. But stay tuned. We'll see you on Wednesday.